into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. All right. Hello, podcast listeners. Um, Right off the top today, uh, here's the question I ask myself every time I start this podcast. What are you fuckers called? Um, Well, we did a survey, and uh, the answer, according to the Democratic process via Twitter poll, out of the three three choices were offered, um, I asked you people if you'd like to be called dammers, as uh, Matt Chrisman suggested, on this show, or um, Damn Fam, which I thought was fun. I love that one. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's upbeat. Um, or, and here's the one you picked, because you're apparently a bunch of goths. The Damned. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't really have to honor the answer of this election, uh, or this result. Yeah, the pod damnation is wrong. <laughs> we can... You're all damn fans now. Yeah, we're um, you know, we're a benevolent government, but um, you know, sometimes you guys don't know what's best for yourselves. Uh, sorry, damn fam, you're the damn fam. Now I kind of like the damned, but it's just very serious and and dark and brooding for a podcast audience. Yeah, more. Yeah, we need more gloomy socialists. That that's what we need. <laughs> I guess goth socialism is kind of maybe a. Uh, a good brand for this show. We should yeah. get like synthesizers and stuff. Yeah, we'll play some gloom pop and uh, talk about how NAFTA is bad. Those would be good songs. We should have Morrissey on the podcast. Oh yeah, he would rule. He <laughs> loves our politics. <laughs> um, God damn. Anyway, uh, damn fam, welcome to the show. Your name is Damn Fam. Um, just uh, I guess I I want to talk about one thing up top. Just get this out of the way. Get the cat's out of the bag. I have not been able to talk about this for like a couple of months, and uh, I think it's kind of come to an end, so I don't give a shit. I'm going to like kind of crack it open. Um, so I got mentioned on the Joe Rogan podcast the other day. He was interviewing Jimmy Dore, and uh, they talked about my ice thing. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to like milk this ice thing and make it like a, a like a one uh one hit wonder kind of situation like you know 10 years from now i'm like i'm the ice guy you know like uh no more mr ice guy after <laughs> this no more mr ice guy um but one of the reasons i've been talking about it is because it's you know still relevant and uh i've been talking to a couple people about pitching this story to Joe Rogan to try to get on his podcast because he has a very large podcast audience and I think uh, there's some work that can be done there. Like I think that the massive amount of people that listen to his show could benefit from you know some different points of view because 
the show itself doesn't really have much of an ideology, but just by nature of being, I think, maybe like a rich, uh, you know, uh, brain uh, <laughs> psychonaut type guy, he's hanging, hanging around with a lot of like Jordan Petersons and, uh, you know, dark web right wing intellectual types. Um, and, uh, you know, people kind of passively listen to that show. And uh, it's fine, and it's whatever. But I think that you know it would have been cool to go on that show and and sort of introduce a different perspective because he does have on like Abby Martin and people like that. Like he's like totally you know objective on some level. Yeah, but he's too busy getting jacked and <laughs> drinking kombucha with Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah. So I pitched my thing to him, and he said yes. And then he just never kind of picked up the phone, and I, like, went to L.A. because he was like, yeah, just come hit me up when you're in L.A. And then the shit never happened because he just went like, oh, uh, yeah, never mind. I'm going out of town. I got to go, you know, fucking hang out in a a DMT self sensory deprivation tank and, you know, I got to go MMA fight people. I don't know what the fuck Joe Rogan does with his time, but he – you know, I couldn't tell what was going on. I was like, is he, did he turn me down and he's not saying it? Or is he, you know, just being polite by saying yes? Or like, put, you know, this is all happening through emails and stuff and like third parties and stuff. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then I, I listened to that show a couple of days ago and he goes, um, he goes, he's talking to Jimmy Dore about like police, you know, censorship, police state stuff. And he goes, Hey, who's that uh, that comic that got the ice thing happen to him? And I was like, wait a minute, who's that? Co-? We've been talking for like a month, sort of. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm still down to do it. Uh, I don't think he'll hear this, but if he does, hey, Joe, like, um, please have me on your show. I'll, I'd love to. Uh, also, also, Joe, if you're listening to this, uh, I think you're a wonderful man, and <laughs> please come on my anal sex podcast. And if you're listening to this, uh, Andrews Lee said he wants to fight you. And he's not here to represent himself. Um, yeah. Andrews Lee, not here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I just figured I'd kind of get that because a lot of people know about it. Cause, like you know, I told people I don't give a shit. Start a hashtag. But I've just spent the last month like. Just, just lurking around L.A., like, chasing Joe Rogan like some kind of white whale, you know. I've been on the same, like, shows in it with him in the same clubs, but then not really able to kind of get in the same green room and just, like, I'll just be in, a like, a hallway in some comedy club and there's those headshots and I'll just fucking bump into a headshot of Rogan. It's weird. He's been, like, haunting my life. Never, never when I was a young lad watching news radio did I think this was going to... Uh, <laughs> you thought you were going to be on Andy Dick's podcast. I thought I'd be stalking Andy Dick. <laughs> now he's stalking me. Um, <laughs> anyway, Rogan, have me on your show. Yeah, start a, a Jake on Joe hashtag, please. The damn, do it. Yeah, Jake on Joe. Uh, that makes... That it sounds good. <laughs> reads, it right? sounds like a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, fucking Rogan. Put down the brain pills and have me on your show. Debate me, you coward. Do you think <laughs> if I offer him $10,000? <laughs> like uh, Ben Shapiro, he'll have me on the fucking show. Um, yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> harass Joe Rogan on the internet if you listen to the show. Get mm-hmm. him to have me on your show. We know you have a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> yeah, uh, the people that listen to the show. Uh, by the way, I've met a bunch of people recently that listen to this show. I, I went out to um, a Julius Salazar event that um, the Chapo Trap House kids were uh, headlining, and there were a bunch of comics on, a bunch of really awesome comics, too. Um, 
all female lineup. I, uh, I it was at the well. Um, God, there was like I almost want to retell a joke I heard, but it's you know that's that's you don't want to sell some burn some material like that. But um, yeah, but at that show, like a handful of people came up to me and like you know, guy bought me a shot. And, like people listen to the show. I don't know. It still tickles me pink. You know, I'm still quite uh, amazed at how far we've come with this this podcast. So. You know, thanks if you're uh, listening, and uh, thanks even more if you subscribe to our goddamn Patreon. The da- if you if you pay the money, I'll call you the damned. But if you don't, you're damned, fam, motherfucker. Yeah, get us to two thousand, you don't be the damned. <laughs> yeah, get us to two thousand, I'll call you whatever the fuck you want. Uh, I won't call you late for dinner though, bitch. All right, uh, Jake's got to get off his bike. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway couple things that happened this week before we get into our uh, our main show today. Um, I haven't ridden the, sp- speaking of the bicycle, I haven't ridden the subway in a while. And I don't know how recent this is, but I had to go, I had to take the train to uh, another part of Brooklyn the other day to go pick up my bikes. I left it at a party, etc. Um, and uh, I was in the subway and I, no one like turned their head or batted an eyelash when this happened so i guess like to them it's just normal but i hadn't been in the subway for a long time so like something happened that like really weirded me out which is that robot voice that comes on and does announcements <laughs> came on the great overhead overlord robot voice that yeah. goes you know the train is now arriving or whatever and uh it said this verbatim i wrote it down because it was so disturbing to me robot voice comes on and it goes ladies and gentlemen Panhandling on board trains is against the law. Please don't give money to lawbreakers. Give it to charity instead. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, they they made this crazy announcement that was, you know, what they're talking. I guess they're trying to stop those like Showtime kids from, you know, doing backflips and breakdancing and shit in the train and like, you know, selling like candy bars and stuff. To try to raise money. Ah, the worst thing about the subway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, if you fucking live here, you got to deal with some fucking teenager kicking you in the face almost all the time. You moved here. You moved here. I man. love that Cuomo's reaction to all the complaints about the subway was making the announcements gender neutral and adding arrows to the floor. <laughs> yeah. It was those, pretty tight. I didn't know where I was going before that. I but, didn't. Yeah. I, yeah, that was the first time I saw those arrows. It was recently. I, I got to say, man, I felt. Like, I had direction in my life. I heard uh, that the subway announcers, the male announcers, give orders, and the female announcers uh, provide information. Yeah, that's spooky, um, dystopian shit. Um, It's weird that they would program it sexistly like that, you know? Um, But the thing that, I mean, but there is shit to be, like, gleaned from how they... How they write these announcements, though, because this this announcement that I heard like was really disturbing to me because, you know, it didn't just say like, uh, in you know, in so many terms like, hey, you know, we're we don't want you to encourage this shit that that you know we think fucks up the the commuting experience or whatever. That may have been fine on some level. I don't really agree with that either. But it said <laughs> the way it tried to discourage you from like giving money to these people is that it's against the law. <laughs> Don't give money to lawbreakers, which is like you're talking about like 15-year-old children, you know? You don't need to frame it as like they're breaking the law, the sake. It just had this like 
fucking big brother like dystopian vibe to it. And then to cap it all off to make it, you know, neoliberal and woke on some level, it was like save your money and give it to charity. <laughs> Not a specific charity or anything that the Bill and Linda Gates Foundation. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even suggest like here's a charity that would, you know, come back around and in some way help these children that uh, we don't want you to help through illegal means because they're lawbreakers. It was just like you, j- chair, just the concept of charity. You know, donate that money towards some organization. Instead of, you know, feeding a poor person who's fucking homeless. By the way, the fucking subway systems in New York, if you've ever written them, I mean, the people that are begging for money on the subways are like, I mean, it's fucked up, you know? Yeah. You really got to look at, like, some burned victim who's, like, handing you stamps or some shit. And he's and you're like, you're breaking the law, <laughs> Sorry, sir. I'm a law-abiding citizen, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's against the law, but those awfully mean, seamless ads can stay. Right. That make me feel bad about yeah, myself. You can fucking destroy my, you know, uh, lo- my the view I have of, uh, you know, the thing wall I have to stare at while I'm taking the train to like the Bronx or whatever. If I ask you for money on the subway, give me some. Yeah. You'll feel good. <laughs> also, it feels good to break the law. Yeah. That makes it sound more badass. Next time, like a deaf person comes up to you and they're like, you know, here's this pamphlet. I'm selling a coloring book. Uh, or I guess they don't talk like an old Russian guy like that. Uh, they might. <laughs> I'm just going to like. You know, bust out my fucking American flag T-shirt. Excuse me, sir. The law is the law. What is this anarchy? He's deaf, so he's, he's, he can't hear me. Yeah, yeah. He's already he talking. Singing Ted Nugent. He's, he's already singing. talking to me, and I'm just screaming at like a um, a fucking subway pole and an ad for Fiverr. That's like, hey, uh, why don't you fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything on those Fiverr ads you should never do. By the way, it's like. Open a burrito stand, become a DJ, and then gentrify all of Brooklyn. <laughs> those, those ads do not understand. That's like a, they're sociopathic. They're it's like they did they didn't go to college or something. They, they don't understand <laughs> like economics or whatever. They're like, don't uh, hey fuck your boss. Don't have a job. That's it. That's the whole you know. Um, hey, you know, make your own food. I don't know. Like it doesn't. It, there's no. It's like shit that's so. Obvious, like someone would have thought of that before. Yeah, no one wants to participate in capitalism. You know, and they're selling you like the gig economy thing, and yeah, whatever. That's a whole thing. Yeah, it reminds me of the libertarian dudes I met in college that were always like, you've never heard of supply and demand. Yeah. And then they just explain that to you. Oh, yeah. Economics in one lesson. Um, yeah, did you see Elizabeth Brunig went on Fox News? And uh, <laughs> the woman that was like interviewing her about um, socialism just interrupts her at one point to go like, now, how many economics classes have you taken or whatever? <laughs> it's in the middle of the whatever point she's making. Instead of having a counterpoint, she's just like, are you a fucking uneducated idiot, bitch? Like, are you? <laughs> just <laughs> insults her intelligence. Hey, you fucking retard. Shut up for a second. <laughs> yeah, like, instead of even, like, having a point about how, like, well, that may not be true because if you look at the, she's just like, are you dumb? <laughs> also, all those very unbiased economic classes. Right, yeah. <laughs> that teach you about the value of socialism. I've had so many libertarians try to, try to talk and tell me, like, just read economics in one lesson. Like, d- if a pamphlet changed your life, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, you're reading a, you're talking about, it's like a chick tract, you know? I'm not going to join your cult. 
Um, I'm not going to uh, do that weird Scientology thetan shit where um, you know you hook my brain up to a, a, a Game Boy or whatever. Also, Scientology, boy. if you're listening to this, leave my friend alone. Who? Please stop texting her. My fr- I got a friend who wrote her thesis on Scientology at like this liberal arts school, and they've been texting and calling her for like three years. Wow. They will not stop. Um, Josh Androsky, friend of the show, who's been on the show. He's a Scientologist. <laughs> He's a Scientologist. He's definitely somebody who either definitely would be or would be like the exact opposite. They'll get him one day. Luckily, he's the exact opposite, but he's blocked on Twitter by Scientology, and he has no idea why. Whoa. <laughs> he like never looked at their page and just looked at it, and they just preemptively blocked him. Josh is Shelly Miskovich. <laughs> yeah. Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> um, anyway, a um, couple other things happened this week. Um local hero to the seattle area some fucking guy some maniac stole uh, an airliner out of like um a like uh commercial airport yeah the ultimate alpha move <laughs> yeah the most alpha thing you can do in 2018 apparently this alaskan airliner took off and everyone in the airport looked around and went Wait, was that a flight like no one it just you know it just took off like not on schedule and then they figured out some guy who works at the airport just figured out how to take off the plane. It was the new episode of Crashing. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Holmes steals a plane. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Why is it called 9-11 and not Pete Holmes Crashing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so he just took the plane for a joyride and uh, eventually killed himself. But when he was flying the plane around alone, no passengers or anything, he got into radio contact with the uh, the tower, and it's, like, darkly humorous. Like, it's fucked up. It's morbid. But the guy had a very flippant attitude about it the whole time, and he was very, like, aware of his own kind of mental health decline and shit. But he was, like, <laughs> I saw this story because the headline or the tweet that, like, you know, with the, the, the headline that had popped up while it was happening was that the guy had stolen a plane and was threatening to do a barrel roll. (laughs) 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 Like, threatening. Like, uh, you know, fuck with me. Say one more thing. I'm going to do a loop-de-loop. I'm going to go buck, fam. (laughs) You don't negotiate with me right now. And there's video of it. You can see he did a loop-de-loop, like, with the plane, and it came really close to the ground and pulled it back up. And then he started to realize he was running out of gas. And he, like, called the the um, the uh, radio tower and had this like, really weird, flippant, candid conversation with him. And at one point, the, the tower goes, like, um, or he, the, the guy, this is why this guy's, like, I mean, I, f- I ultimately feel really sorry for this dude or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's tragedy or whatever, but I, he was funny. And he went, he, at one point he went, hey, you think if I land this plane, they'll let me be a pilot? And the guy in the <laughs> tower goes, oh, yeah, I, I bet they'll let you be anything. And then he goes like, nah, I'm just fucking with you. I know they wouldn't let me do that. <laughs> and then he, uh, yeah, and then Alaskan Airlines were like, uh, uh, Alaskan Airlines do not uh, negotiate with sick dude bro demands. <laughs> yeah, he was a dude bro. He said that he learned how to do how to fly the plane by playing video games. Oh, SSX Tricky or some shit. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about flying the plane, and they were like, 
Uh, okay, so you're going to need to listen to me very carefully. And he's just like, nah, I've played enough video games. I think I got a handle on this thing. <laughs> and he was flying. Now, you ever heard of Ace Combat, dude? Uh, I think it's funny that um, this dude is famous now. And if anyone is out there thinking about starting stand-up comedy to get famous, don't do that. <laughs> just steal a plane. Just I'm not in telling you to steal a plane. I'm just saying if you want to get famous, there's better avenues. Yeah. Pete Holmes crashing. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, another thing that happened uh, this week is um, some elections, uh, some primaries, um, something really cool that happened in Vermont is that the first trans um, nominee, uh, nominee for governor, nominee for governor of Vermont uh, won her primary. Uh, which is obviously really cool. But I was reading the story today, and uh, it's Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. I was saying Bernie Sanders is man, trans now. <laughs> he would have he would have solved all the problems <laughs> with his with his appeal if he you know. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that's in his soul. He's an old man, but um, but um, politician by the name of Christine Halquist won her nomination in Vermont. It's really cool, and it's obviously an uplifting story, but if you look into the story, it's pretty funny because um, she was competing with four other people. Hang on. I'm going to pause so I can find it. Okay, so in her primary, she was competing against four other people, a Navy veteran, uh, the executive director of a dance festival, and, or I'm sorry, three other people, and... A 14-year-old boy. <laughs> I think her main opponent was a 14-year-old boy. Uh, it says here in this BBC article, Miss Halquist defeated Ethan Sonneborn, 14, a schoolboy who was allowed to stand because the state's constitution has no age requirement for the governor job. Yeah, she fucking owned that kid, dude. <laughs> yeah. So you can technically be 14 years old, or you can be a baby. There's no age requirement and win governor of Vermont. And so this kid just did airbud shit and decided to, like, run for governor um, and ultimately found himself facing off with Christine Halquist, this, uh, you know, inspiring story of his trans woman so all i want to know is like what do those smear ads sound like you know yeah um because you think oh 14 year old boy oh that's a child but 14 year olds are the worst people on earth you know Some uh yeah also elon omar uh won in minnesota she's uh, poised to become the one of the first uh Muslim women elected to congress uh shout out to minnesota great state high voting record uh, she's also uh, uh, campaigning on canceling student debt, uh, cutting funding for perpetual war, and passing a national bill of rights for rental renters. So, um, yeah, watch out for her. She's great. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, there were a lot, a lot that happened last night. Yeah, no, pretty good stuff. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, but leading into our main story today, um, the uh, Unite the Right rally happened last weekend, and was a fucking fizzle. Um, you know, there's all these great photos of the, like, dozen or so Proud Boys that actually showed up to this event. That video of the dude kicking the cop in the head, <laughs> I have watched so many times. I sent that video to my mom. I don't even talk to my mom, but it was like, check it out. Are you, are you talking about that one where he's running around in that, like, fenced off? Yeah, area? and then he comes back and kicks him right in the head. That, that's that not, shit owned. It's good, but it's from um, Romania. Fuck. Yeah, I know. It just got re- shared around. Cut it out. <laughs> All right. Um, 
but uh yeah there was very little um turnout for the proud boys and um i had a a, a kind of observation pop off on it on twitter which i think uh i can stand by tom morello retweeted me about this but uh you know it showed a picture of it and the point i wanted to make was uh for a fucking year straight the entire you know message from the media about antifa and on all the anti-fascist tactics and all these you know counter protesting measures is um it only makes them stronger you know it only serves to you'll see you know this is actually going to inspire people to show up more because they're so offended by your you know dragging through the mud of free speech and all this shit and it was bullshit they didn't show up you know. Yeah, and it, you could even see that, observe that last year, too, after the Unite the Right rally. And a lot of it had to do with because uh, they killed Heather Hare. Uh, but the Proud Boys immediately after that rally denounced it and wanted nothing to do. And, like, the alt-right kind of broke up into factions in, in the wake of all that. So, like, their their presence has already been dissolving. Yeah, and one thing I'll, I'll say about, you know, Antifa and it punching, you know, people in the face and all that sort of shit is it's like it's something important to look at with these alt right groups is that you're not going to make like Stephen Miller go away. You're not going to make Jason is it Kessler go yeah, away. Yeah, Kessler. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 fucking deranged freaks that are like the diehards that are leading these groups and the organizations, but the fucking four chan weird basement dorks that are just hangers on to this stuff will get bummed out and not show up. And that's the strength they have is those numbers. So the more you bum out the the people that are just, you know, rank and file, <laughs> rank and file Proud Boys, I think that's a, a thing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the more you thin those out, you end up with what happened last week, which is a dozen fucking people showed up to this, what was supposed to be, you know, fucking Unite the Right 2, baby, uh, the second coming or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. White power hour. I don't know. Um I got invited to go back on that Israeli network and talk about it, but I, I turned it down. Um, it, after a while, I think it would stop feeling like a bit, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, so something that happened at the alt-right or at the United Right rally is a, um, uh, a journalist named Bethany Mandel published an opinion piece called How the Angry Left Turned Me Into a Nazi. And the picture, <laughs> along with this fucking article, uh, friend of the show and previous guest, Mike Gams, is, like, in it, kind of. Like Shout out to Mike. Because he saw, he, I tweeted the picture out, and he saw it, and he went, oh, my God, I'm, like, right, standing right next to that guy that kind of got cropped out of it. And then he showed me, like, the other picture, which I guess was, like, another frame or two into this video that's a snapshot from. And, yeah, he's, like, out there just being, you know, hippy-dippy-ass Mike Gams. <laughs> it was really funny. He's not – you can't see him in this one, but he, he showed me the other picture. But <clears> – <throat> so Bethany Mandel writes this piece called How the Angry Left Turned Me Into a Nazi. And um, I got really annoyed by it, and I was like, Jesus Christ, am I going to have to read this? And I, I looked her up on Twitter, and uh, in the middle of her bio – the very last thing she wrote in her bio, because I guess she was getting harangued so hard by people, was not a Nazi. So, guess what, motherfucker? You're not a Nazi, so I don't have to read your dumb article about how the angry left turned you into a Nazi, because <laughs> clearly it didn't. Yeah, um, you know what a good person has never said? I'm not a fascist. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm against genocide. Uh, well, you know... Shout out to her. She seems like a hip hip lady who's got good opinions. Somebody told me they got into a big fight with her. They were just trying to convince her not to call the cops on kids that were smoking weed in a park. And uh, she was 
very pro calling the cops on these kids <laughs> instead of just going up to them. Um, so it sounds like uh, <laughs> going up to them and smoking with them. That's what you should do if you see yeah. kids. Man, come on, kids love to smoke weed. You know, the only people that have the time to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, especially if you're a Nazi, that's a good story to tell. Kids should be allowed to smoke weed and breakdance on the train <laughs> because after you turn 24, everything feels like death and destruction and just hollow tinny ringing in your ears. Yep. And we'll be right back. The damned. <laughs> I have to wrestle the gun out of Jake's mouth now. <laughs> right, we will be right back because uh, we got some guests. All right. Boop. All right, into the main show this week. Uh, my guests this week, uh, Raghav had to take off, so I got a full table. Um, my guests are medics from the New York City Democratic Socialists of America Medics Collective. You can follow that group on at NYC DSA Medics on Twitter. Um, I've got with me here Jordan, Brad, Peter, and Sid. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having Hello. us. Hello. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> uh, hi peter um cool so uh i guess the story here is that you guys just got back from uh the sort of fizzled uh unite the right rally in dc and charlottesville before that is that correct that is true yeah we got back um sunday well technically monday morning sometime around three or four a.m <laughs> yeah. yeah it sounded like you guys were uh, hearing a little up updates and stuff here and there it sounded like you, it reminded me when someone's on tour or something it sounded like you yeah. guys had a lot of driving and uh packing and stuff like that it's very unpacking. much a family road trip yeah <laughs> um cool well uh tell me a little bit about um your organization and how uh, this particular venture out to dc came about so we're a uh we're a young medics collective we were trained by the absolutely incredible folks uh at new york city action medical nicam and we got started out of a living room uh yeah uh, one of the one of the current members of our collective uh jacob uh he did a bystander first aid training at a sunday socialism that we host uh at brad my's place like every few weeks and he was like hey you should go get trained in this uh as street medics because there's a there's a training coming up in like a month and we're like yeah okay that sounds awesome and we we went to that and we met sid and we met uh ben the other founding member and the four of us were like oh we're in dsa we should start like a medics collective in dsa so that we can medic for dsa <laughs> um and and like that was it it was like four of us five of us to start with and then now come like just shy of a year later we're up to like 20 uh street street medic trained medics cool and it's awesome very yeah. cool um street medicking uh specifically entails um i guess i'm gonna understand it's a lot of like the the first aid that happens at events like this where violence can occur with yeah. uh, police tear gas stuff like that right so it's um a lot of it is guided by well, for us, New York City and New York State's um, uh, Good Samaritan law, and that is the same probably everywhere. But it's basically um, we do what we can within the scope of the practice that we've learned. And so it's kind of hard to prosecute someone for helping somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's basically we learn as much as we can. We go to these actions and we uh, provide aid to anybody who consents 
to uh, us providing aid uh, as much as we can. And um, a lot of what we do is specifically tailored to what we know happens and what the cops do and what the FASH does. Um, so, like, our kits are laid out specifically for what we would expect to see at a protest. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, Good Samaritan law. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, New York's got a lot of laws in the books that are kind of in both ways kind of draconian sometimes and also sometimes like oh it's great you can uh, you can't sue someone for helping a stranger in the street it's also really hard to evict someone here those are two <laughs> things i like about new york <laughs> can't get me out of my fucking apartment <laughs> <laughs> and you can't stop people from helping me right well i mean the law in the books is really important because it gives us the leeway to provide medical care that we've learned through a non-hierarchical like non-bureaucratic system but the law certainly says what is what should be legal what should happen mm-hmm. doesn't always mean what actually does happen we right. know that like what the police are allowed to do what they say they will do what they say they've done versus what actually happens mm-hmm. there tends to be a disparate truth right. there right. but the the good samaritan law absolutely allows us that ability and i mean it's important to remember that some of the people arrested on j20 were nurses and medics right good um, point. in a whole block getting arrested like i think it was two nurses and several medics with that we're running together as a collective. Mm. So like Good Samaritan law is true in most states, I think. But yeah, people definitely go to jail for it. Right. Yeah. I guess that's true about laws in general. Is uh, you know, the, you can't really expect the police to be out there enforcing them in any way that would uh go against what they want to be doing out there to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that n- none of the people we've we've met who have been doing this a lot longer than us, like I I don't get the sense that they're they're out there doing it because they feel comfortable and safe that the law is protecting them. Right, right, right. They're doing it because, like, I mean, the the core purpose of, like, the practice of being a street medic is that you want people to be able to express their politics in the streets as much and as long as they can. And that means, like, washing pepper spray out of their eyes and, you know, bandaging them up when they scraped a knee and, like... Yeah, that punching a Nazi you need a need, need something to to unbloody that fist. <laughs> need so, to ice down my fist. Yeah, afterwards. exactly. Yeah, and they're not doing it because they they feel like protected legally. They're doing it because they know that it needs to be done. Sure, fair enough. Good point. I guess it's also uh, you know an admirable endeavor um, considering the symbolic nature of this uh, year after Heather Hayer's death, and um, you know there were people who were hit by that same fucking dickhead in the car who were lucky enough to receive immediate medical attention because there were street medics around. So, uh, very cool. On Charlottesville as an anniversary, I just wanted to add that like that's part of what brought me specifically to this work. What brought me specifically to street medicing was specific like what happened in Charlottesville. I know that it was an emotional moment for I think a lot of people. I was kind of surprised at the like reaction that I had to it being so strong, and I remember because I'm I guess I'm masochist. I was watching the video over and over again, and uh, I kept hearing, you know, people in the video shouting for medics in the street, and I was like, "Oh, I should, I should be doing that work." Um, so I go online and I looked for an online presence for active collectives, and I found them throughout the country. Um, like uh, Jordan already mentioned, NICAM, who is incredible. I couldn't find an online presence for them, so I sent out a tweet just into the universe, like. I'm looking for street medic training in New York City. And then the next day I got a DM from Jacob who was like, hey, I'm doing this bystander thing in Brooklyn. Do you want to come? And I was like, uh, I guess, sure. And then, yeah, like a month later, we were all at the same table again, getting doing like 20-hour training. Um, so for me, it was really important that we went to this year anniversary because yeah. it's something that took an idea I'd had and a, a passion for 
for providing care that I'd always had and made it like this should be something you do in anarchist and communist spaces and specifically like I'm not the person to punch a Nazi but I, you, I'll be damned if I don't help them <laughs> like get there um, and also we don't treat Nazis <laughs> no um, uh, absolutely that's so yeah that's obviously you know very admirable and very inspiring. Um, after Charlottesville, I started podcasting. <laughs> I'm. That's really inspiring. Yeah. People, yeah, true. <laughs> people, you know, I, people. I guess listen to the show, and on, on some level, this has some effect on something. I think it's mostly uh, entertainment for you and your commute, and just sort of a general cultural. You know, it's better to be listening to some dumb shit like this than like. The alternative, which is like, you know, the neoliberal version of the Pod same thing. Or Pod Save America or whatever. <laughs> Accidentally making eye contact with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, people have, like, are too nice to me and will be like, you know, hey, you, you know, what you're doing is important. And it's not. What you guys are doing is important. <laughs> I'm a fucking comedian. Um, this is a political ad. I'd argue this is very important, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> um yeah, but uh, you know, props to the people that are actually on the ground. Um, I because I, I, you know, I, I felt real guilty this weekend. I wish I could have been there, but um, you know, I've got this very important podcast to put out, and my <laughs> my legion of online fans must be placated with memes. What are their names now? Uh, I can't remember. I can't they keep voted. track of these motherfuckers. They want to be the damned, and I feel like they're my. Isn't I feel like a, like a parent with a teenager now. You can't be called the damned. Uh, <laughs> you stop listening to that angry music. You're Isn't a damn like a fan. glam punk band? Uh, oh, it's a punk band. Like it feels like the name of a character in like a, like a late 90s like PS1 era fighting game. Like yeah. <laughs> it was like an early 70s band. Yeah. Like classic style. Yes. Late 70s punk. A uh, good band. But you listeners, you're not the damned. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, uh, so tell me, tell me about your uh, your venture out. To, you went to uh, DC first, correct? Charlottesville. We. Oh, you went to Char- I'm sorry, you went to Charlottesville first. So I, I absolutely want to upfront want to credit like that we weren't the first people to start talking about going from New York. Uh, there was some some people in the Red Rabbits who was the Marshalls Collective inside uh, New York City DSA, uh, and a few members there got together and were like, "We need to be there." Uh, I mean. DSA does a lot of really fucking cool work, like, nationally uh, and in the city as well. But, like, there's been a lot of focus of late. You may have noticed, like, the the prevalence of the articles is about, like, our internal democracy in relation to voting on Cynthia Nixon. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, and <laughs> which is cool. Like, big ups. Uh, way to go, Miranda. We're, we're all pulling for you. Um, but, like, coming up on this anniversary, there was a decided like absence of conversation around like one just anti-fascist work broadly and two like that this is the anniversary of a comrade getting murdered heather Heyer, and like that wasn't in the air enough and so some people who really cared about that like in the way that sid talks about like got together and was like we need to organize people to go it was it was bottom up it was horizontal it was a bunch of people who just opted in and said like we're going to do this together. And so we pulled a bunch of cars together. We put out a fundraiser. We had a huge response, like big ups to our steering committee for like pushing that out, that fundraiser out and getting the backing. Like we raised over $2,000 to be able to, to bring collectively the group we helped organize was about 30 plus people who, who were on the ground in either Charlottesville or DC who were able to get down there and support 
the incredible local organizers who were doing really great work, which we'll talk about in a bit, but like that, that was it. It was, it was some people coming together and being like, we need to go down there and we need to support the anti-fascist work of our comrades who are like New York city's like 30% of DSA membership. Like there's so many other chapters in, in DSA that don't get the love and don't get the, the spotlight and the support they need. And Charlottesville especially is a small Southern chapter that had a tragedy happen in their community and they needed people to come down there and be there in solidarity. And so really good comrades organize that support cool yeah. yeah also just one thing i want to say about like charlottesville dsa having met a bunch of them is um you know the ooh, uh, i mean there there's there's been like a thing where essentially there was a fundraiser after i mean it's public knowledge so there's no reason for me to like keep it keep it secret but like, there was um <clears throat> there was a fundraiser in the wake of heather's murder um for relief in charlottesville that was organized uh i believe i don't want to get the details wrong so i'm going to be as vague in them as i can it was essentially run by the dsa and promoted by dsa and then ultimately the money ended up getting uh by the description of people in charlottesville misallocated and yeah um, it's a it's a prevalent problem yeah, yeah yeah and and so people who needed these funds still haven't received them it's been a year now um and so we were talking with people in charlottesville dsa and they were like yeah yeah, uh, DSA doesn't have a great name down here, and yet these people were still, still, despite that, in the organization, still showing up doing the work. And by the way, just like a ferociously like good, dedicated chapter, having like met some of them. So, shout out to them for both being there and also. I just wanted to to talk about the action there because I thought the story was really interesting. So, like, the University of Virginia is in Charlottesville, and they. The students had been like, we want to memorialize, you know, this this tragedy in our community. The university initially had been like, we'd really, really rather sho- like shove it under the rug and let the anniversary pass quietly. And the students, were, you know, expressed that they had a lot of anger around that, that they wanted that space to, to heal and bring the community together and kind of mourn collectively and celebrate the like the like culture of resist like of resistance within that city. So eventually the university caves and they're like okay we'll do this but it has to be on our campus you have to have clear backpacks no aluminum water bottles everyone has to have a student id they had metal detectors you name it but you could still have guns you could yeah you could notice. still have guns because it is still <laughs> virginia and yes when we were at the walmart we did check they do sell them there you couldn't have a lighter in this city yeah, so the city oh i forgot they were yeah they were confiscating scissors and thick lighters people were just randomly frisking people and if they found a lighter they would take it yeah it means you gotta light your cigarettes with your gun exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> and they were the signs would say like anything that could be used as a weapon and it was all these like uh, things that you could like sort of finagle in a game of clue i guess like yeah. to be a weapon <laughs> but it ends up being like but sh- sh- you can have guns yeah. <laughs> anything that could be a weapon but isn't a weapon or weapons. You're allowed to bring weapons. You can't bring things that could be a metal water one. bottle. Wait, totally. no. I figured out. If you want to bring a lighter, you bring one of those lighters that's shaped like a gun. Right. You get it like Spencer's like gifts. Butane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the good news is that none of this mattered uh-huh. because okay. So as the time comes for them to open the gates to like the metal detectors and bring everybody onto campus who was a student, you know, there's a large crowd congregating, um, and there was definitely like you know really incredibly dense police presence throughout the city like all of the streets were shut down it was really hard to get around um basically the students when it comes time for the protest um they had a it looked to be the i think it was the local or the school's blm chapter black lives matter chapter um they got up there with a megaphone and did this amazing um you know they did a human bike speech that was incredible basically stating that like this was a, a move by the campus to placate them 
but that they wanted this morning and this this like celebration of of the work that 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 they do in that's in that intense and hostile environment they didn't want to do that behind the security apparatus and they refused to be part of it and my favorite part was that um after this really great speech then they started this big chant just like the the cops and the clan go hand in hand and it's been stuck in my head ever since it's incredible <laughs> um but then the kid the these students basically just like went you know what fuck your security apparatus we're doing this 500 feet to the east everybody moved and then everybody this huge congregation just followed their orders and it did exactly that and they held that space and of course it was greeted by you know how many cops do you think probably at least 300 the riot, riot cops yeah th- riot gear state police because it wasn't because charlottesville was in a state of emergency so the only reason they did that is to get more state police in yeah. town their oh. banner fucking rolled for it too as it is like right before the moment they were supposed to start letting people through the metal detectors they unfurled the banner to announce that they were going to start giving a speech and it said last year they came with uh last year they came with torches this year they come with badges they came with badges yeah i saw that those students really incredible work i loved the misdirection tactic do it again yeah Okay, so there's this organization and this uh, misdirection and everything that happens in um, Charlottesville, and then the police show up in their fucking turtle suits and, um, you know, start throwing down. Tell, tell me about the police presence. It was, it was fucking wild. Like, it, it was, like, we got into Charlottesville late the night before and, like, went straight to bed everywhere we were, like, someone, and, and got up the next day and you drive in in the morning to, like, like very early in the morning because we had a medics meeting and like as soon as you get within like the the near town like first there's like a lot of cop cars and like going up and down streets and stuff and then you get towards the downtown and it's just barricades everywhere checkpoints upon checkpoints cops on bikes cops on motorcycles cops inside of mrap like fucking tank things like going down residential neighborhoods just like police everywhere and like a very palpable sense of like you like you are not able to go or do or express anything that like without these people's permission there was a there was a moment that morning when we had just arrived where there was a location in a building that we had to get to for a meeting um and when we're trying to get into what we believe to be this building first of all there's like it's it's on the periphery of the lockdown zone right uh, and there's four uh, Virginia State cops just kind of hanging around out front um, doing the thing that as I, as like a, 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 a Northeasterner, find so disturbing, which is just saying hello. Uh, but especially disturbing when <laughs> it's like coming from a cop. Um, uh, so, yeah. That's, yeah, that's Southern hospitality. Yeah, it's especially it, disturbing really, when it it's was, a guy with a fucking paintball mask and yeah, a machine yeah, gun yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah. But um, there was a whole thing where, like, we were trying to get into this one building. That's actually the plot of the Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, entering someone's welcome space. Yeah. Hi, come on in. Yeah. Well, the creepiness contrasted with the, this person is going to fucking murder you. Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, the, the politeness contrasted with that. But, but as we're trying to get into this, what we think is this building we need to get into for this meeting... Uh, these state troopers are just saying like, oh, yeah, you can't get in through this door. There's another door on the other side. And we're like, oh, OK, how do we get to that? And they're like, well, you have to go all the way around to the other side of the lockdown zone because we can't let you through at this checkpoint. So it's about a mile walk. It got know. it got fucking comical at a certain point, too, because like at a, we were meeting up with some of the other DSA chapters like Richmond and Charlottesville to like prep, like get into one contingent and then like head to the, the rotunda where they were going to have the rally. And, like, in this spot where we, like, gathered up, which was kind of in the middle of nowhere, there was really no one else around, it was just a good meeting point, like, three different times we had a helicopter do, like, like loops over us, like, 
clearly someone had been tipped. There were cops like who periodically drove by, and then the helicopters would come and do like a visual loop over us, and then eventually a fucking drone, like you, it sounded like like a bee was around, and you looked, and it's like there's a drone just like hovering in the middle of this thing for like five minutes. It like felt like it sat there. Jesus, he's got like a camera. All I got to see was like. 20 DSAers like shove cliff bars down their faces like dry, like smoke 15 yeah, yeah. cigarettes so, smoke so, many, so cigarettes many cigarettes and watch like the same cop car go around and around <laughs> us like I don't know seven yeah. times in an hour good I, intel I, I peed on UVA's art building and they probably saw me do that <laughs> cool what's the statute of limitations on that peeing <laughs> on UVA cut that <laughs> Never. <laughs> you defend your crime. Um, That's all the drone was there for, really. It was just to. <laughs> <laughs> just to yeah. Um, I think you did nothing wrong. Thank you. Um, so, um, cool. So then uh, from there, you guys packed up the next day or the same night to go to. Same DC. night. Same yeah. We did, we did them that rally in March that and until like about 839. Uh, had a few people wait at like the Gordon Street Library or whatever, and like some people scooted and got the cars, pack everybody back into the cars, head out of town, bump into each other at the Sheets, uh, uh, get a bunch of crap food. Yeah, Sheets. Oh, by the way, like anybody who says that, like, oh, Sheets is good. Oh, Wawa's better. Like, Sheets and Wawa are the same fucking place. <laughs> like, this, this regional, they have, like, the same electronic menus. They have the same milkshake machine that's fancy. It's the same food. Sheets and Wawa are the same. Their capital is tricking you. I'm, I'm so fucking mad at the Sheets Philly cheesesteak. I, it, it, I'm, I, I'm still, is, is, it tastes like it was served on a pretzel bun, which doesn't work for a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> also, aren't these supposed to be like Pennsylvania institutions? I or or we're well, not that we're in Pennsylvania, but like it seems like it's a Pennsylvania. Why well, was it Pennsylvania? I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I, calm down. Calm yourself. Medic. The sandwiches were Someone really sedate bad. This man. Peter and I both threw out our other half of our sandwiches. Do you know how bad food has to be to, for me to throw it out? Um, I, I do want to say they had pretty good fries, and you could get a garlic butter dipping sauce for them. So, all right, well, we are tough but fair here in the, <laughs> in the damnation, damn the damned dammers podcast room. Um, so, uh, where where do we go from here? Um, Washington D.C. We're going to Washington D.C. So all right, get, yeah, we get in like. Tell me about this road trip, right? <laughs> uh, well, our car got in at like two a.m. I don't know about yours. Uh, I actually, well, I got dropped off first, so I got I got to bed at like. One, I think I was okay. Lucky devils. Mm-hmm. I, you know, took on my true form as commie mom on this road trip since mm-hmm. I was driving around five other adult communists around in a minivan wearing athletic shorts and a baseball cap. I saw your hat. <laughs> it looked very commie Thank mom. Thank you. I bought two. I have one in leopard print and one that is black satin. Uh, <laughs> very soft. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Walmart of Charlottesville. Hell yeah. Um, also for the air conditioning, we hung out there for at least two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was when we were not medicing, it was kind of a extremely surreal experience. Uh, we spent a lot of time in that Walmart. We spent a lot of time in at a the Waffle, Waffle House. house. Yeah. Um, uh, and we spent almost no time sleeping. Actually, Peter slept zero hours the I, first night. I, oh. The first night, I, yeah, I, I which for, for the, uh, well, yeah, it's set, what, whatever. That, which is the same amount of time I slept like before J twenty. So yeah, I was. Just, that's what I just kept repeating the whole next day. It's like hey, I'm fine. I've done crimes in in, in on this much sleep before. It's fine. It's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like uh, I don't have a lot of sage advice to give you as a uh, an activist on any level, but as a person who's done shitty road comedy, uh, this you're reminding me. I'm, this is a, a kindred, uh, a, a story that is close to my heart. I, you can sleep for free in a fucking Walmart parking lot. The cops can't stop you. It's legal to sleep there. Holy also, shit. you can make ramen noodles in a Mr. Coffee. You need to know this stuff if you're going to go out and do medic stuff across the country. <laughs> ramen noodles in Mr. Coffee. You throw the noodles in the Mr. Coffee. You turn the hot water on. You put no coffee in. It turns it into a de facto hot plate. All right? Wow. Um, there's a secret menu in In-N-Out Burger. Um, Although... <laughs> You Actually, can sleep in a bathtub in a hotel if you need to. We'll start distributing <laughs> yeah, this is a zine for sure. This yeah. is a medic zine. <laughs> if I can shout out one thing, and that's uh, both uh, DC DSA and Richmond DSA and Charlottesville DSA, uh, talk about like the advantages of having like some kind of real strong uh, national structure. Was that it, us like getting finding people like we could lodge with? And like people we could trust, and like who could trust us, and like we would all vouch for each other, and like have a place to actually crash on these nights. It was, I don't. From where I stood, sat, it was very simple. I'm sure there was like a lot of planning <laughs> that went <laughs> into <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> it. went into it, but like it was, it, it was, was seamless. It, it looked, it looked. I, I I signed up to do this like one week before, so I missed most of the planning. Um, but uh, uh, it it looked it looked. Fucking cool to be able to like find people so. Yeah, you rolled up, you yeah, rolled yeah. up to people's houses and they just opened their doors and said, "Come on in." If anybody yeah. looked at the Google spreadsheets before we left, oh my god, I would like you know I know Jordan did a lot of it. I'm sure that uh, lots of other people did. I don't know. I really I'm sure it was a huge committee, but those those spreadsheets were enough to make me go. <laughs> like, I was like, you just tell me where the fuck to go, okay? And I'll get in the right van. I think there were cross sheet formulas. I just want to say. So well, yeah, but you're good at that. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I was like, what. This makes me dizzy. <laughs> um, so, but speaking of road comedy, we have some jokes for you. <laughs> okay, please tell me about your. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, I guess I guess uh, precursor to this, some context is that our car left at like eight thirty from New York, so we got in at three thirty a.m. to Richmond, Virginia, and then we ended up sleeping for like two and a half hours. Peter didn't sleep at all. Um, so all of these jokes were read <laughs> at like two in the morning. Um, but there's a Twitter account uh, and Tumblr called Kids Write Jokes, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, jokes uh, written by kids. Sure. And uh, I, I just want to say these uh, the jokes you're about to hear kept me from crashing the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, right. comedy's important. It wasn't enough to save those two traffic right. cones, was it? Or one, <laughs> the one that was stuck under a car for half an hour. Allegedly. That is the only crime I will not comment on. The <laughs> <laughs> and these are all going to come off the dome, by the way. Um, what do you call a tiger wearing glasses? Um, I, I don't know. A what scientist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Kids are so fucking good. Uh, uh, there was one that was just, you are alone. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a quick one. That was yeah. like a, a, a Werner Herzog child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when you go to the ham contest, what does the man say? Uh, it's ham time? I don't know. What does he say? You already won last year. You aren't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and then I... Oh, okay, go ahead. Why, why, uh, why aren't crocodiles vegetarian? Um, why not? You could easily throw vegetables in there when their mouths are open. <laughs> Just general <laughs> advice. <laughs> and then the last one, the best one uh, was uh, what has two legs and four arms? Um, two legs and four arms. Goro? Uh, 
General Grievous from Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Oh, all right. That's pretty... <laughs> you were close. <laughs> literal? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a fact about Star Wars presented like a joke. <laughs> Hilarious. God oh, damn. Thanks for letting us tell jokes on your comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're professionals, too. You want to come uh, give us a Band-Aid sometime? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll switch. I'll do the... I'll you bet. can flush our eyes at the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, make great audio. Uh, but you know that I uh, know that rules. Kids are insane. They write the best shit because they're complete fucking maniacs. That's reminding me of uh, I just took mushrooms and tried to write some material. And every time I do that, and I look at my notebook afterwards, I'm like, what does this mean? It's sh- <laughs> shit like that. Is there anything specific that yeah, 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 yeah. Do right now? I was trying. To, I was la- I was la- rolling on the ground laughing. Thinking about um, how it would be really funny if there was a, a strip club where every, well, the strippers are on acid, the customers are on acid, everyone's on acid, and they start by wearing a shit ton of clothes, like three layers of clothes, and then they're like, because they're tripping so hard, they're struggling to take off the clothes, and it's not sexual at all, and it's just like funny, and it's all tangled up, and then the music is just death grips. It's and I'm like, this is hilarious, but it's not a joke. It's just an insane idea. <laughs> I would definitely pay for this. <laughs> well, I thought of it because I was, you know, watching someone on mo- tripping, t- trying to take off a shirt and get entangled in it. And I was like, and then my mind just started to wander and I got there. Um, but the <laughs> all the dancers are like, can someone help me? <laughs> I can't my move my arms. My, <laughs> my winter coat is too thick. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, kids are hilarious. Uh, that shit rules. Um, tell me about. Um, we'll have to. I'll have to film that. I'll have to make that a sketch or something. Um, t- tell me about um, DC though. DC was like, DC was wild. Uh, first off, like it reinforced after Charlottesville, like the incredible coordination because the medics who coordinated Charlottesville also were many of them like crossed over and took part in coordinating DC as well. The medic operations and they were like fucking seamless. It was incredible. Like anybody who says that anarchists can't organize like as like, a joke is a fucking liar because like they were <laughs> like, it was like the comms, the infrastructure, the planning, the meetings, like everything went so well and everyone knew so clearly what their role was and how to operate and got to meet each other they had like they had somebody in the kitchen making like frittatas like for everybody as they showed up it was it was incredible it totally was but i will say the one thing about anarchist organizing as an anarchist i i am indicting myself here sure they have they actually can't organize a lot i think we get a lot of stuff done um and i mean that with like a capital w like like we as a group and as a tendency but like I'll be damned if you can try to sit here and tell me that anarchists answer an email in less than seven days. You know that's a lie. You know that you're still waiting for me to respond to things you sent me over a month ago. Same. You know that that's true. Same. <laughs> I yeah. love, uh, like, inter, like, really specific leftists, like, beef and stereotypes like that, because you guys understand that no one understands what the fuck we're talking about when we're like yelling at each other like anarchists always do it like this <laughs> i've gotten too into shit before and like you know went down a wormhole reading like uh heady bullshit and arguing with people online and then i gotta try to do stand-up and i'm like the thing about murray bookchin and it's like no one knows what the fuck i'm talking about it's like uh you know it's nerdy it's it's, it's fun it's cute but you're not wrong though uh stereotypes <laughs> do exist uh you know 
for a reason, I guess. Mm-hmm. But 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 you know, fair point. So they the the anarchists organized uh, great great planning, great everything, and then we got out on the street, all the all the pairs, like we all headed down and. It was supposed to rain that day, like, way earlier than it did, but it was fucking hot. It was so hot. And so, like, the whole weekend was unbelievably hot and humid. And, like, for a while, there was the rally going on, like, down in, like, what was that? Federal Federal Plaza. Mm-hmm. Freedom Plaza. Freedom Plaza. Freedom Plaza. And then, like, like various, like, various different medics, like, took different, like, kind of shifts, like, being at the rally. Like, we did kind of, like, a, a loop, a circuit around, like, some of the areas that, like, stuff was going to go on that day. And we didn't we didn't medic much at the BLM, the Black Lives Matter, because they had requested primarily medics of color. So we, like, they were cool with anybody, but like, obviously, we wanted to like save that space yeah. for those folks. Sure. We did walk by them at one point, right, um, and stayed there and medic a couple of people because there was an incident, yeah. but it wasn't bad. But there were also like um, safe spaces and tents around the city at different events that were happening that medics were requested to take shifts at. Um, so it was kind of just like a constant presence and there was opportunity throughout the day to kind of slide in however you felt like you would be able to you know help best in that moment there were also like chill out spaces for people to take breaks if they needed to um it's extremely well run Mm -hmm. um and you know fairly seamless from what i saw in terms of the communications and the organizational side of the medic work that i saw the other thing that becomes like really clear, like as a medic, though, like you're once you're like once you're marked up, once you put on like whatever, whether it's tape or your patches or whatever that says like I'm a medic. Here's the, a symbol that says you can come to me for medical attention. You want to describe that symbol for the audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, oftentimes if you see medics at 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 some sort of event or a rally or anything, they'll they'll have like a cross, like a red cross with duct tape. Like on their arm, uh, like the healer in uh, Pokemon. Exactly, yeah. like the healer in Pokemon. <laughs> uh, and then for us, like we also, uh, as our collective, we have a patch which has like the the Star of Life, um, and then our our like New York City DSA Medics Collective uh, Healing the Hand that Smashes the State is our motto. Nice. Like the we'll, we'll have that like pinned to us as well. But like if you if you're ever out at an event and you see somebody with that on, they're a medic and they they're out there to help you. But like one of the things. You, when you're out there and you're marked up, like you're constantly on, like you're situationally aware, like very, like the whole way through. Right. And what you start, like you notice a lot more, I think, than I, than when I just went to protest as like a participant. And throughout the whole weekend, one of the things that we notice is that like this whole idea that like the, oh the fash didn't show up, like that's not true. Okay, good. I, I please tell me about that because that was the I was I was. Really, um, kind of amazed by how little noise there was really on like Twitter about this because it seemed like there would be, and then the the narrative that got out was, and you know, in a in a in ways it was a good narrative because it was you know, hey, look, th- this thing isn't as powerful as you, you you know you suppose that it would be or whatever, but um, but obviously, uh, you know, that that's just one small narrative and like yeah what actually happened i mean tell me about the fash there because you know i'm sure it did exist a perfect example was like at at the rally at freedom plaza there were these these two like these two younger guys with like buzz side haircuts and shit and like you wouldn't have noticed them any other way but they were carrying an american flag at a rally that was like hosted primarily by like left radicals right like they were carrying a big american flag which is like not enough on its own but it was an initial first tip 
And so, like, marshals, who are, are the Red Rabbits and DSA are really well-trained as well, and they kind of, like, kept an eye. And one of the marshals noticed that around his neck, hanging uh, as a little piece, was a hammer of Thor. And, like, that, like, already. And then you look at, then you see tattoos, and then, so you clock these two kids, like, who are just hanging out at this space with their big American flag on a pole, almost, like, not doing a lot to hide themselves, like... And this was the case throughout the weekend is like they would be out. They would be there. They weren't trying to hide themselves. They'd be wearing T-shirts. They'd have they weren't covering up their tattoos. Right. Like they they weren't trying to be hidden. They weren't organized in a big march like they were at, at Unite the Right last year. But they wanted they wanted people to know that they weren't not there. They wanted people to know that they were oppressed. I've had people ask me before, you know, about like anti-fascist stuff and and you know they go, oh why do you wear masks don't you want to you know your point of view to be known um uh, you know like look at these people they're like proudly standing out and, and defending their point of view and i think the difference has always been well the police are on their side right so this these people feel confident enough to go out dis- displaying these symbols and the, the whole point of it is to you know for intimidation right i think <clears throat> on that Unmasking the whole, the important thing is like like you're right the narr- the narrative in the press and in like the way the, the press approaches Antifa that wears masks they're always like oh don't you believe in your beliefs like blah 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 like and we had like how many because we eventually masked up because there was a um, fascist press next to us which I noticed um I done I actually did my homework they sent us these uh, pages that are on a wiki of like hate tattoos and stuff. And I noticed uh, a pit bull sticking out of the back of the, like, the collar, like, on his neck of a tattoo of a pit bull that I had seen on that page. And he was next to a man to the camera and a, and a, a host. Like, a lo- it looked like it could have been local news. Yeah. But the people there with him, it was obviously two pieces of muscle, a camera guy, and a host. And all of them had symbols that m- signaled either, like, the clan or, like, hard right. Wait, 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 wait. All right. What is the pit bull? I don't know that one. It's, I can't remember which group it's connected to because they all have the same fucking stupid name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something that's like... Knights of the... the Knights of some dumb fucking shit. Cream order. Europa yeah. elite. Uh, they literally yeah. all sound like that. It like somebody the Nordic big dogs. Yeah. It's <laughs> those it t-shirts like where the dogs have big <laughs> biceps and shit. It's like can't all stand the heat. <laughs> Get out of the country. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's like their names all come like from like some nerdy RPG game, I don't know. But basically, um, we eventually messed up, and then we had a lot of press approaching us near the Black Block um, asking us, well, why we were wearing masks. And f- for one, we don't talk to press, especially because we're there as a support structure, not, like, being a medic, you're kind of, like, you're kind of in the action, but ultimately, like, we don't carry signs. You know, we don't... Chant. We don't chant. We don't take part of the CD if there's that planned. I mean, until it gets to a certain point. Um, obviously, people make autonomous choices right mm-hmm. like and definitely some medics run embedded they may not have the the cross on them because right. they're running in a group that knows that they're there yeah um regardless so we eventually messed up and then a couple of press started asking us and we were like you know we don't we don't talk to press i'm like okay yeah sorry and, and then um okay um but so then uh the reason I got to that was, oh, when, uh, when like, if I could have, if I wanted to answer the press in the moment, what I would have said is, like, you know, the all, like, it's been a long time tactic of the right now um, to, to publish your address, you know, make rape threats a bit against you and your family. I mean, like, of course we wear masks. And, like, honestly, I wish I'd covered my tattoos at the action. Like, it's something I've learned for next time. 
Mm. Yeah, like the the big thing about <clears throat> yeah, we both mask. Like you see the fash mask, and we mask for the exact same reason because the tactic is like for general defense. You make your opponent's identity known, such that if you have friendlies, they will wash over them in a dog pile online, maybe, or like call your phone a million times or SWAT you, or whatever. Like that's what they'll do. Yeah. For us, we report them to their employers. We report them. We send it to their mothers. You know, like we send it to their family and friends, so they know that like your your person in your life around you is a fucking Nazi. Right, One man. of my favorite chants from the weekend is about that. That goes, uh, black lives matter, brown lives ladder, lose your job, that shit don't matter. Um, I thought that was really good. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, but, like, one thing that happened that um, uh, I think speaks to that very, very clearly is uh, there's a moment, and, and Jordan, I think you, you mostly were, were kind of involved in this, where there's somebody from the press who said, hey, do you guys uh, mind talking to me? Um, and yeah, you know, we all said you know we we've made a collective decision to not talk to press at this event, and cool, all right. And then the the guy from the, whoever I, I don't know what outlet he was with or who he was. He was credentialed, so he was somebody. He was credentialed. He had a badge. He had a press badge. Yeah. Um, but he he like took his like little his microphone like kind of like ticked it and then put it behind his back and said, "Hey, uh, I shut my thing off. Can can I ask you a question? Why? <laughs> Why?" And Jordan, to his credit, just kind of looked at this guy from the press and said, uh, "We told you that we didn't want to talk to you. Isn't isn't that enough? <laughs> is it is it is it not enough that we said we're we've made a collective choice to not speak with you right now? But the sense of entitlement from this guy from the press yeah. that he that that he wasn't held to our time or that he didn't really understand the kinds of uh, power dynamics that we've just been going over was." alarming i would call it alarming yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's it spoke to like the there was definitely left press there who like some of whom we know and are friendly with and like we see at events regularly and we're cool we'll talk to them because we know that they're not going to take we know that they understand and want a relationship with us enough that they're not going to take our shit like our identity our names the things we talk about with them and put them out without our permission but then you have these mainstream press who all they're looking for is like some sort of com- like commodity from that interaction with you that they can turn into their story well yeah exactly you know why wouldn't you talk to the press well look at the press look at the media that comes out after every single one of these events it's always taking something and twisting it in a really cynical direction brian stetler and fucking jake idiot tapper like after this weekend both tweeted out these massive tweets about (laughs) like oh antifa like shoved a camera like is they're attacking the press just like trump and it's like you fucking morons. Like, th- these people are out there in the streets fighting fascists in a way that they would never. They would never. Like, yeah. braver than the goddamn troops out there, like, getting attacked by cops, like, teenagers, yeah. people of color, queers, like, trans people, like, putting their bodies on the line to fight fascists. And the least they can ask is, like, that you don't photograph them or, like, like take audio of them yeah. without their permission. And the entitlement that some of these mainstream press people have to just be like, like that guy being like, hey, can I ask you a question? And we were like, no, we've, we've collectively agreed not to. And then like to press the issue was like, we didn't like, they, they don't understand basic consent. Like I said, no, like find somebody else. Right. Yeah. Maybe says yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, th- I think uh, additionally, it's the cops very clearly show which side they were on uh, this past weekend. Um, like escorting the fash in and out of the rally. Um, 
And there's CCTV all over the place in Washington, D.C., and there's been discussion that perhaps the cops and the alt-right were uh, working together to uh, track counter-protesters to, quote-unquote, keep the peace. And I, for one, believe that entirely. Yeah, our faces are all over D.C. unmasked, and, like, of course we're going to mask up in a situation if it starts getting heated because uh, we have the entire police state uh, like intelligence apparatus against us at, right now cooperating with explicit fascists. I don't know. It seemed it seemed very clear in the moment why I would want to keep a, a mask on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's also uh, for anyone, you know, who would hear this. I'm not sure anyone disagrees with me listening to this podcast, but like, you know, for anyone who had harbored that point of view to hear it from a medic yeah. makes, makes it a lot more obvious than, you know, asking the person who punched somebody like, oh, why are you why are you you know afraid to show your face? It's like the fucking medics are have to protect themselves, yeah. too. It's about protection. Right. I mean, do, do we want to talk about the moment where they actually let the fashion to Lafayette Square? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Please. that was some shit. Um, we'd kind of we there, there was some confusion over where exactly the fashion were going to be arriving from, which street they were going to be coming down, what what metro stop they were going to be getting off at, and, and therefore the route they would be taking. So eventually we figured out where they were coming from, and we were on a street parallel to them and, and rushing to catch up. Uh, rushing to catch up because, like, the assumption being these are hot zones where people might be getting hurt and people might need us to be there to help them out. Um, so we eventually decided to, like, head them off, and 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 uh, we were able to get half of them at the entrance to Lafayette Square where we waited to, like, see where everybody was coming off and, and they were coming up the street to, to let the fascists in uh, to the square. Um, and we were essentially standing there, I would say, fairly passively, because as medics, it, you kind of have to be kind of passive because you can't really be too much of an active participant. Otherwise, you're like, you're blowing up your own ability to actually function in the situation. Um, but despite that, as this line of police escorting the fascists arrived, suddenly everybody there was... Uh, pretty violently pushed into a crush against a bunch of parked uh, park cars, uh, a bunch of bollards in the road. Um, it was kind of the, the only m- moment of like real violence I was involved in. There were others that others were involved in, but but I think that any of us were involved in that was like fairly frightening and like not good and fully instigated by the police in defense of the fascists who came there that day. Yeah, from the perspective of uh, of medics, like the the scariest moment, the moment where I was most worried that somebody could be like maimed or killed was when the police streamed out of that barricade and crushed like they like kind of folded like opening a book on both sides against the cars and the gates and everything the fences and just very rapidly shoved everybody there were cameramen and protesters and everybody all pushed together at once and it's at that moment like when you're inside of a crowd at a concert when like it moves too far faster then you can do anything about, but you're so crushed in against other people oh, yeah. that there's the no way. The wall to, of death is happening. Yeah, in the, middle the wall of, of death. Yeah, and like that wasn't Antifa. That wasn't even the fash. It was fucking cops. Yeah, well, I really like that um, that message on that banner. That was the first they came with the torches, then they came with the badges, or now they came with the badges because the the real lesson from all these rallies, I think, is that the real fascists should be understood to be the people in blue. Absolutely. Um, yeah that's the most dangerous part of this whole story it's not a bunch of fucking dorks that showed up to just be them and just sort of brag about how they're able to be hateful it's the disturbing part of it is the uh the you know the the cooperation that's so clear and deliberately you know taken up upon by the police 
Um, I think I think that's the the biggest take home message for me. Um, the the same one. It's just I do think it's worth noting that like last year those you know that event in Charlottesville could boast what was it hundreds or thousands. Um, and the amount of fast that the that had to be protected by the police to come in and out of the, and like then like surreptitiously you know like escorted out of the park, um, which we'll get to that in a minute, I'm sure, by the police was a group of by my count pr- approximately twenty to twenty five people. It was hardly anybody. So like antifa tactics, like the idea is that there's nothing, there's no less alt right, right? There's no less fascists out there I believe since Charlottesville but they were fucking terrified to show their face in public and that means that Antifa shit works like that's uh, aside from the point that the cops are ultimately also included in that yeah too. no that very, obviously is a, a separate point very well said I guess I just wanted to get to that point because I I, I felt like a little bit like I don't want to because I have been commenting on how like you know I I'm pretty pleased with the lack of turnout because I think that that proves Antifa works, but I also didn't want to diminish right. your role in what's happening out there. Yeah. Because no, the threat is still real and the threat is the fucking police. Yeah. I mean, the the, the thing that made so, like, be, because there weren't hundreds or thousands of fascists who showed up, that vacuum, like, put the police in such a spotlight in both places, Charlottesville and D.C., like, their active presence, their their intimidation of just the average everyday person attending and trying to express their politics. Like, most of them, too, like, quite a lot of the, the major contingent of people who showed up were, like, libs. They were, like, like there was, you saw photos, there was, like, circles of, like, meditation and shit like that. And, like, <laughs> like even, even minor harassment to people marching down the street preparing to, like, light incense. Like, let alone, like... Outright. That is the most liberal way right. of fighting fascism. We're gonna fight it with like Malcolm Gladwell spirit board shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just imagine them. We're gonna hum away. them away. Yeah. Uh, and and but like let alone like these anti-fascists over by over by that barricade in Lafayette. Like imagine a world in which like leftists are given a police escort down right. Pennsylvania Avenue. It would never happen. Imagine a world in which like even the police were more universal with their indiscriminate violence, right? But it's it's not. Like, it's purely always aimed at leftists. It's yeah. always aimed at the people yeah. who want to challenge the status quo. And re- at the very least, not even the status quo right now. Right now we're in the back foot trying to resist fascism, let alone trying to change the current system. And so, like, if you think about the police and the intelligence services and the security services and their role, it is it is antagonistic fully to, like, the values that we all have such that like when we show up in the streets their whole job is to beat the shit out of you and make you much the same way the antifa wants the fascists to not show up the police want us to not show up right right yeah they have the state on their side um oh okay one thing i wanted to ask you all about is um the (laughs) uh Supposed like guest set like drop in from David Duke that was supposed to happen because I remember hearing about it and it sounded very much like a like a creepy evil alt right inside out version of when they drop like you know a special like Beyonce is gonna play Coachella or some shit <laughs> but it was <laughs> their thing was like we got the clan guy <laughs> to uh to come and the big draw yeah yeah um we got Prince's hologram <laughs> yeah oh man a hologram of David Duke <laughs> that would be fucking horrible uh <laughs> um 
But uh, but that was supposed to happen and did not. Is that correct? Uh, I don't believe it did. I it was a, it was a rumor that that we also heard floating around the streets, which I I think other people heard floating around. Therefore, it. Uh, there was like some bummed out Proud Boys walking around with yeah. their their ten yeah. VIP wristbands and <laughs> yeah. shit, like wearing wearing their David Duke T shirt to the concert <laughs> like an asshole. Yeah, you know where the T shirt to the concert. Idiots. You gotta look like you were into David Duke before he was cool. Right. Yeah. We 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 all heard it was it was something that might be happening, but given how pathetic the actual rally was, it kind of seemed like it wasn't gonna happen. Right. And as far as I know, it did not happen. Yeah. Even if he was there, just like the sad showing of like the afternoon shit was yeah. probably enough for him to be like, nah. He was like in a trailer Danzig style, like making demands about like uh, what sort of French onion soup he needs before he can go on stage, yeah. and then looked out and said, right. "Fuck it all." Only the green gummy bears it was only the white ones if it's david yeah yeah, only the white gummy (laughs) bears for david duke (laughs) it rained from like 1 p.m till 8 and like no one showed up to the like the actual announced rally and uh david duke didn't have a permit and like so many counter protesters showed up there were so many things stacked against this actually being a real thing that was going to happen so when uh, the cops, like, like, secreted away all of the fash out of like a separate gate. Right. Everyone was super pissed off. They and they took him out in in I believe I am told I I I think it was actual police vans. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, out of a separate entrance. Uh, because they took him away on one of those duck tour uh, <laughs> <laughs> boats. Everyone's like, "No, that should be here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let that one through. I guess I'm, in my head, I'm just imagining this is like some sort of alt right, like you know, uh, music festival situation with all the bullshit and right. bureaucracy and stuff. Um, and my guess would be that was probably planned from the get go. Yeah. Um, although it was interesting because at some point they, the the police. At, at least fainted that there would be uh, an exit made via where we were all standing around right. where they'd entered into Lafayette Square or yeah, Lafayette, they f- Lafayette they f- Park. Is it a park or a square? Park. Park. Yeah, they fired up all the it motorcycles and, like, got all set up and, like, Antifa, like, set up. The whole black block was there waiting for them. This is where, Sid, there was that... Uh, that fucking rad ass, uh, the the queer black flag. Yeah, exactly. So one of my favorite things that was part of the like actions of the day was like a queer dance party, and I I don't know if it's like the same people, but I like to suspect it was that like this big parade turned into a like barricade that joined the black block that had been there for several hours after the fashion already entered the park, and they brought this line of connected shopping carts full of just garbage, and. Um, they had the flags above them that were, you know, trans pride flag, the rainbow flag and the D.C. local flag. And I was just like, it's like, hold on, what's going on here? I didn't know it was going to happen. And I just thought it was like, fuck, yes. Like this line is getting tired. We've been here for hours. And who shows up? But like the queer c- and trans contingent to like hold the line. And they like their in- their intention, I think, because we saw lighter fluid being doused on all the trash in the shopping carts was to light them on fire. They had just lit and burned um, a Confederate flag and a Nazi flag. It was awesome. And then they were going to like light these shopping carts on fire. I think, unfortunately, all the garbage was soaked from, like, the, the very rain. extensive rain. Yeah. Um, oh, bummer. That I know, it was such cool. a bummer. There was a couple of, like, flares. Is that what those were? Flare guns or, like, fireworks? They were shooting Roman candles. Roman candles. <laughs> yeah. yeah Over the police line. <laughs> it oh was so good. They also had these plastic bottles full of, like, rotten milk, vinegar, skunk scent. Yes. Maybe something else. But they were, like, handing them to, like, <laughs> younger. Old, old eggs. Old eggs. They were handing them to, like, younger, more, like, 
like rowdy uh, like Antifa people. The black like, block teens. Yeah, they're yeah. like they're like go up to the front and throw this directly at cops. Water, <laughs> balloons, water balloons full of milk, and I was just like, this is everything I wanted it's from so today. That's and cool. Yeah. That's very that's very like teenager ish. Like yeah. you're, you're uh, weaponizing your yeah. jackass skills or something. Yeah, yeah. as yeah. opposed to teeping your your math teacher's house, <laughs> you're throwing <laughs> rotten milk at the cops. The guy that was handing but, it but, out. But but I'll say that about yeah. that though. Uh, they did that the battle of cable street way fucking back in, right. in oh yeah you know original fascist uprising or whatever that's a that's an age-old tactic p- pissing in a bottle and throwing <laughs> it at somebody yeah. or whatever yeah. i think we should do it more <laughs> never die full endorsement yeah. Yeah. no one uh, piss in toilets anymore <laughs> <laughs> if you learn anything from us it's that we're anti- medics say <laughs> that's not true just for the record please don't end up on the list um, but the yeah, that was that was a really fu- I was really excited to see like that contingent in particular show up and re- and like push back against that force. It was beautiful to see. I wish that those fires like were still blazing, but yeah. that's okay. You know, rain it makes fools of us all. <laughs> Team Trenchfoot, our shoes were soaked. You guys are, were called Team Trenchfoot. <laughs> uh, we named ourselves a- after the fact. Uh, we were we were that evening decided like made a last minute call to like drive home that night. Uh, we like took off our shoes in the van. We're like, oh, our ankles are bleeding and our feet are pruned and they smell bad. Um, <laughs> and there's trench blood foot. on our socks. And if we did this for about three more days, we could all have trench foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my whole car got naked in a parking garage, changed into dry clothes, <laughs> and it was it was the purest moment of solidarity ever. It was just like getting in getting inside of a smelly car <laughs> with all all of these fucking wonderful yeah. anti-fascist DSAers and just like heading yeah. back. Yeah. Trench foot, for the record, is a is like a, a World War One condition where you would stand in muddy trench water for months on end until your feet rotted away. So yeah, that's but it's also what we had. It, so. We all. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, um. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, after after they had after the cops had seared them out, like the block was pretty pissed, and like the whole contingent. We learned like, on like a Facebook live stream. Yeah. is how we found that out. Yeah, uh, and so like they they were like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna fucking take the streets because the cops, not just the cops, like also like the the Metro Transit Authority in D.C. helped get them out against the wishes of the union there, who had done that amazing action. It's to, the only like, time the Metro ever runs on time, right? You know, is when fascists are on it. Yeah. To be fair, I think that the that maybe the group of fascists when they were heading down on the the Metro went like under the radar of the workers because also like it is against the wishes of the union for one and then for two just like it was such a small group and they mm-hmm. all look like fucking tourists with their fucking tucked in polo shirts and pleated goddamn khakis yeah the hot the, fashion the, the, w- the mta is, or not the mta <laughs> yeah. but like the dc metro workers are probably just like good lord where are they from like florida what is this f- like group of like extended family yeah the hot the hot new fash- fashion look is like uh like drunk Sunday driving range fupa dad from the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, it's like and, and like they're and they're like tactical polo, like tucked into like cargo khaki shorts. That awful that awful fucking guy from New York, Jovi, was yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Like in his same dumb like like collared shirt and like 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 formal vest, but then with cargo shorts yeah. and enormous sunglasses enormous dumb sunglasses yeah i hate the dumpy like tucked in shirt guys the ones i like are the the helmet goggles guys that yeah. look like they're playing fallout but they fucked up real bad <laughs> yeah like, don't have all the right armor and stuff although brad did make a good point that you know given the amount of medic shit we had to carry and like the just the wide array of equipment and methods of carrying the equipment if you were to like 
kill any of us and then look at our body, there'd be a text box over our body that just said bandit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, that's so a, like that's, Brad, that's Brad's joke. Man. Yeah. <laughs> preparing for this, I I had a bike helmet for like projectiles or like police batons. I had swim goggles for pepper spray. I had the most uh, synthwave looking fucking respirator, respirator. for tear gas. <laughs> and then I bought a fly fishing vest to carry all my shit. Uh, and that looked rad as hell, by the way. But I did look like uh, like uh, uh, some sort of synth uh, about to go on a fishing trip walking through Charlottesville. <laughs> yeah, definitely early early level, like into the tens level Fallout player. You're, you've, you've stepped <laughs> out of the the vault and you're you found the first shit in the first town you come across. That was Brad. Yeah, was you've so got like um, uh, scuba flippers for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only shoes you found soup so far. Can or on your we, head. We could have used that when we were flushing out eyes in like a foot of standing water with yeah. more coming down over our heads. Oh yeah. yeah. So speaking yeah. of which. Wait, so like, before we get to that, we should end on that. Um, just uh, it, it, as a PSA, like to round us out, we should talk about some things that happened that could have been preventable. Um, you mentioned uh, a guy dislocated his arm. Yeah. Um, tell me about that. Okay, so uh, while we were um, kind of making the rounds earlier on in the day, um, we walked through a rally that had stopped temporarily at the north entrance, I believe, of – uh, Lafayette Park, and there's a public bathroom there. And there's a ton of people standing on top of it, um, like waving flags and chanting and stuff, like along with the rest of the crowd. And as we walked past, like that looks terrifying, first of all, because that's like one or two stories up. There's like different levels to this bathroom. It's a really beautiful uh, bathroom. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, they started calling for a medic, and uh, there's a guy on the roof of this bathroom that had somehow dislocated his shoulder. Um, so people like launched me up onto the roof, um, where I informed him that I did not know how to effectively relocate his arm and was not comfortable doing it. And he should be doing that in the hospital because I could fuck up his joint. So I went up there to tell him that I wasn't going to do anything for him. Uh, and then, uh, he just did it himself right in front of me. Which is great. Cool. Um, and then I offered him all sorts of things like an ice pack, and he was, like, totally fine. So I did nothing except for look really cool getting, like, thrown onto the roof. Wow. Um, and his dad was right there, and he just, like, really calmly was like, this happens all the time. <laughs> um, but we, Sid and I actually did carry him down, and then someone, like, started chastising everybody else on the roof. And we're like, yeah, you should get down like definitely 10 points to the elder person with that contingent who was just like taking care of medic shit for us like wasn't there in that capacity it seemed but was just like are you fucking kidding me they're here to hurt you don't hurt yourselves yeah. first you idiots which is like getting people off that roof we were like our work here is done yeah i like that some guy showed up and he was like i'm gonna fight them with parkour <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't see how it happened but I, I i guess it is that he like went from one thing to like another thing four feet lower and suddenly his arm just, yeah. just fell out. Cool, but he did he did Rambo shit and pulled it back in. I mean, I, yeah, it, the whole thing was cool as fuck, and I was I looked cool as fuck in it as well. <laughs> um, I think I think the the lesson from there is you're already uh, taking your uh, your life and your agency into your own hands by participating in stuff like this, and uh, you're already operating at a level of danger that I am really that i really admire you for taking on by doing this thing but um 
you should be careful because you are taking your life in your own hands, but like you don't have to escalate that any further. And you also like, we are only as strong as the union as like, as the people we are together. And by making yourself into a patient, you are like reducing that number by, by one. And I think that like, just be careful out there and it standing on a roof because it's cool is a thing, but I don't know if like the gain from that is as much as like what could happen if you fall off of it. Sure. Yeah. Um, and in the same in the same spirit of like that, like preventing things, it's like when like you don't have to be a medic to know which of your which of your friends is diabetic, which of your friends has an inhaler, and which of your friends really didn't sleep that much, Peter. And like <laughs> being able to like prevent that stuff before it happens yeah. is a part of just being an informed activist. Um. Yeah, of course. Uh, and in continuing this thought, I guess um, one thing that we just talked about uh, in the hallway uh, was that there is, a, a, I guess, a huge misunderstanding <laughs> it, that people should sort of educate themselves on and that you guys reported back about, which is that uh, people don't understand how to wash out their eyes when it comes yeah. to <clears throat> tear gas and things like that. A, a lot of the the activists community in the streets like has this conception that there's all there's some sort of magic formula for when you've been pepper sprayed or tear gassed uh and people come up with all sorts of wild concoctions to like shove in their face to try and make it better and literally the the thing that works best is water and there was a case in point at the action in dc after the march had like taken off like pissed about like the cops secreting out the nazis uh they marched like you know they took the streets and did started doing like kind of a circle route uh as they were coming back towards the area of the white house they got they got kettled and we were on our way to our cars we had like hung up for the day and we got a uh like a like a strong message from like uh dispatch that was like hey like there is there's an urgent need for medics down where they've been kettled we we were leaving we were leaving and so we 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 were like right at the garage where we had parked the car and like turned around, threw our packs back on, and headed back down. It was only a few blocks Team away. Team Trenchfoot organized. Team Trenchfoot oh, yeah. away, uh, and we we get down there and like you can sort of see the remnants of some sort of like scuffle had happened. There was a lot of like uh, like like gloves on the ground from like medics and stuff. Clearly, a bunch of people had been pepper sprayed. And we come around the corner and there's in this in this alley there's like some motorcycle cops and then some some people and the people were like hey are you medics come in come in come in and we get in there and there's there's two there's two uh people from the block who had been who had been uh pepper sprayed and they were in real real bad if you've never seen anybody or if you've never been yourself been pepper sprayed it's not a fucking enjoyable experience like the amount of like pain and distress and like fear that these people were in like you it takes away like your sense of sight your skin is burning uh it feels like it's never gonna stop it hurts like hell and you've got tears and snot and mucus like coming out all over the place and you're inflamed and they were really really hurting and like they had been like somebody as we came up someone was like do you have any more milk of magnesia and we're like no we don't have milk of magnesia (laughs) and we don't have like fucking phoenix down or anything else like that either like we're here to like help uh and so we like asked like some of the bystanders to kind of give space because that's a huge thing like people these people are scared and they're hurt like they need room 
uh, and like just the medics who are going to come in and give care come in and Sid and uh, some of our other medics in the group like jumped in and were really really good like helping them through this situation and like the thing is, is like they needed water and when we when we do eye flushes as medics we don't use like you could do liquid acid and water don't bother like get a sport top bottle get a Gatorade bottle that you're not going to drink from that's got like a nozzle and all you got to do is like flush someone's eye like this whole thing about milk yeah. or like all these other recipes you find online don't do them because like you're more likely to do harm than you are to do good whatever you do don't grab blindly for the bottle of piss that someone is going right. to throw don't do that. and then pour rotten milk and shit all over your yeah. face keep those in separate coolers yeah separate separate pockets if you learn anything from us today let it be that eyes are flushed out with literally only water for your comrades for the nazis yeah. i don't know put whatever the fuck you want in there yeah, lemon like juice that's what's fine this is a comedy podcast this is all a joke the last five minutes if you're a fascist <laughs> yeah yeah if milk is great if you're fascist continue with the milk because uh, they love that shit yeah, yeah. baked alaska got based or uh to your ass or whatever and called for milk and fucked himself up with it yeah. I mean, um milk contains like non non-trivial quantities of like pus and shit and it's great <laughs> in nazi eyes as are knives yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and like a, a like to clarify is like some stuff might work to reduce like the the pain and the swelling which is why people say this other stuff works but like we can't guarantee that and also it was shown at Standing Rock that police were like uh deploying uh chem weapons that were like interacting with like well-known like household cures for um, chem weapons that would actually get aggravated by something like liquid and acid in water and oh, stuff wow. like that. So like water works really good because you're just pushing that shit out of your eye. Everything else might work, but it also might not because there, no one actually knows what's in pepper spray and tear gas because the, the, the compound changes all the time. And uh, you do run the risk if you're using something of infecting someone's eye and using a bottle of water that you pick up out of a gas station for like less than a dollar that you just open, that's going to be sterile. That's why the that's the reason that we do all of this is because it's sterile. It's extremely cheap, and we know that it's <coughs> going to work. Something could work slightly better, but we we do not yeah, have not, not sterile, but aseptic. Sorry, yeah. aseptic. Yeah. So like, water is unnecessary. So like it's it's worth pointing out that like too that like with this like they're the cops, the state, like these fucking arms manufacturers, they're always trying to make it worse for you and so like this only emphasizes further that like there is risk going out in the street and the more care you take to truly understand like what it means to support your affinity group your comrades whoever you're going out with like it's so important to not just if you're going to go out and express those politics and you're going to go out and you're going to challenge the state and you're going to challenge fascists, like you need to do it with an understanding that you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with other people. And if we're doing it as a collective, we have to care for each other as a collective. So like, like don't do it. It's, it's not haphazard. If you're going to help somebody like actually help them, if you're going to go out there and, and do this work, like you don't have to become a street medic. It's, it's a, it's a fair amount of training to do. It's like 20 hours. You should look up your local collective though. But on like the other hand, if you just want to be out there, learn some bystander first aid, really learn from people who know how to do it about like how to do an eye flush, how to do this stuff. Cause you'll be able to help somebody like guaranteed given the way that like this shit is accelerating and escalating. Like you're going to be more useful 
to your group and to your comrades out there if if you have a at least a level sense of like how to care for each other and how to plan for that care for each other. And, yeah. and like if I can shout out one more group of people both in Seville and in DC, they were the um, the Care Bears who were like affinity medics who were doing fucking awesome work, which is you know the the like ninety percent of the of the conditions you're gonna have at a direct action are gonna be like heat stroke, exhaustion, dehydration, hunger, just people like getting aggravated by the elements and not having like fully taken care of themselves and there were these care bears there who were sort of like I, I guess they're affinity medics right and yeah and you know it's it's one thing for us to like because we have like limited room in our bags so it's like all right we have like what trauma shears gauze a bunch of antiseptic wipes like how many cliff fires could we carry i don't know how many water bottles one for flushing one for drinking maybe if we're lucky care bears were just like hey most of the problems that we're going to have today can be fixed with water and granola bars. So here's a lot of water and here's a lot of granola bars for anybody who needs that. Yeah. And it like is so outrageously, stupidly helpful. And like to anybody who was doing that, thank you. That was and cough drops. Very good. Also on the Care Bear thing is like a lot of them were also just there to keep like um, – like they they seem to like the close care bears is what some of them were called at one of them and they were like also there that were like providing like trauma informed like mental and emotional support and I think that that shit is like don't de- like that is absolutely like one of the bigger parts of especially in action like in in Charlottesville absolutely. I think a lot of the a lot of the injuries I saw or like the illnesses I saw were di- like directly related to trauma and like emotional distress and like. Big, big appreciation for anybody who does that work. You know, like I can definitely do a bandage, but I'm I'm not as prepared for that stuff. So like that that is a huge part of medicing as well. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for uh joining us and uh telling your story about the uh you know, the rallies and the anti fascist action that went down this weekend. Um is there anything else you would like to get to before we sort of bring this thing home? I plugs. Is this plugs? <laughs> I just <laughs> want to say uh, that if you're interested in medicating, you don't have to be anybody who has a medical background. A lot of us don't. A lot of us do. There are med- street medics that are doctors, nurses, and medical professionals, but there's also a lot that have their day jobs or their, their primary occupation have nothing to do with that. It's f- the whole idea is that it's anti-authoritarian um, and like autonomous learning. And we want, you know, I know I speak for NYC medics with the DSA that we want all of your lived experience and knowledge and like, want to share and learn from you too so if you're considering becoming a medic after listening to this absolutely do it yeah absolutely do it reach out and we're um we're working on our own affinity medic program trying to get uh to a place where we have a much more accessible uh like uh program to get people on the streets kind of in the way the care care bears did um addressing more long-term and like pre-action post-action um, like the cyclical, uh, like the, the cycle of wellness that like you would have within your affinity group, that's stuff that we don't address and that's stuff that we're trying to work on. And it, and it's not stuff that means you have to go out and like, you know, patch a gunshot wound. We, we don't do that really that often either or never. Um, but then we're also working on harm reduction. Um, we just got, um, uh, registered as an opioid overdose prevention program in New York City. Um, so if you're interested in getting trained as a Narcan trainer, so you can distribute Narcan naloxone um, around Which the literally city. literally stops people from dying. Yeah. Um, get in touch. Cool. And, and then just like, like the Affinity Medic stuff, we're getting our mental health solidarity program started. Like if you're in the New York area and you're interested, uh, whether you're in DSA or not, 
uh, doesn't matter. You're interested in getting involved in this? Reach out. You'll find us on the Twitter that uh, that that was mentioned earlier at NYC DSA Medics. It's all of our plugs. Oh, you guys want to plug your Twitters? <laughs> <laughs> you can. I can put them in the. I can put them in the. Well, I'll put them in the the description. Anybody who wants to, you know. If you want to, I'll join you in doing it. If you want to? <laughs> Let's plug our Twitters. Okay. All right. I'm at uh, Summer Ducks with a Z at the end. Summer Ducks. Z. Uh, I'm at Peter Says a Thing. I. That yeah. That's it. I don't have a Twitter, but I'm on OKCupid. There you go. <laughs> you do too have a Twitter. It's Slick Rickleback. Yeah, don't tell. I don't post. Don't, don't tell anybody. <laughs> send, 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 uh, send Brad uh, like your worst shit that you found on Twitter. Just uh, DM him all your dumb shit. I'll yeah. retweet whatever you send to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Twitter at underscore Dr. Gorgeous. Dr. Gorgeous. I love it. Cool. All right. Uh, anywhere, any, any, any other resources people can look up? Um, Everything will be in the description of the show. Absolutely. Just take care of each other, and like it, it'll help us all fight another day. So Word. Keep, keep up the good work. Solidarity forever. But don't fucking sing that song at me. Wow. <laughs> all six verses. No, don't do it. <laughs> all right. Team Trenchfoot. Streaky. Streaky, streaky, streaky. Streaky. Streaky, streaky, streaky. Yeah, streaky on the outside. Stand by, get a hold of franchise. Southside, do me cause it sounds tight. Streaky on the outside. Oh my, yeah. oh my, yeah. booty on the outside. Stand by, get a hold of franchise. Southside, do me cause it sounds tight. Booty on the outside. Oh my, yeah. oh my, yeah. flag full of backslide. Bye bye, do me cause it sounds tight. Streaky on the outside. Oh my, yeah. oh my, yeah. streaky on the outside. Stand by, get a hold of franchise. Bye bye, do me cause it sounds tight. Booty on the outside. Oh my, yeah. oh my. So the bottom out, how I heard about she's a bunk about dream time and now talk, leave your shit around. Take you to the bank, so the bottom out, how I heard about she's a walk about dream time and now booty on the outside. Can't double back, double stack, triple stack, jet pack, low crack, low tail, grand prize, paint, grand prix, lack, might take a feedback. Yeah, lost highway, feet, neck, deep chain, on deck with no grease trap.
like silence for a little bit and there's like a bonus track we'll do like a bonus track of uh, little kid jokes all right go ahead when you live alone what do you say when you get home what honey i'm home just kidding i live by myself (laughs) (laughs) oh that's good that's like a like a sad sordid stand-up comic child <laughs> They're brutal as fuck. Uh, Dad, what's the square root of 144? What, son? I don't care. You're grounded. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, this is my favorite uh, bad joke? Uh, what happened when the pink ship uh, ran into the purple ship? What? Uh, they got marooned. <laughs> okay, last one. Okay. Uh, or at least my last one. Why do anarchists only drink herbal tea? Oh, I know this one. Because property is theft. I still got one more. Uh, uh, this is another just kid, kids write jokes. Uh, why the man is naked. Why? Why? Uh, a, because he is naked lad. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, he had a butt cheek. C, butt toast. This doesn't sound so much like a joke as it does like a DM you get from a robot Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, am I talking to sexy lady? <laughs> Blue wave eight seven six four seven two five 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 nine. All right, all right. That's good. No, they really. Jokes are important. I told you. We talked about this. 